The Celtics move on to face the Warriors. The Lakers have a new coach. And what lies in store for the Heat now? All that and more on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On NBA, your daily source for all things NBA from the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We really appreciate it. We're free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. We can catch a version of the show in all my glorious blue polo glory because it's finally spring in Colorado and I get to wear short sleeve shirts for four months out of the year. Today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network and co-host of Locked On Nuggets with Adam Mares. His name is David Ramil. You can find him on Twitter at dramil13 where he is coming off of a Game 7 letdown as he is the host of Locked on Heat as the Heat were not able to advance to the NBA Finals. We'll talk about the matchup in the Finals between the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics. We'll preview that series and just skewer David over and over again, just twisting that knife as he has to talk about uh, that matchup next. Um, and we'll also talk a little about the Heat because I want to get David's perspective on what the Heat's offseason looks like and how this team can go forward trying – to get back and maybe advance further past the NBA finals to become NBA champion. We'll do all that more later in the show, but we start David today with news reported on Sunday as Los Angeles Lakers have come to terms and agreed upon their new head coach. Darvin ham comes from the Milwaukee bucks assistant staff, a longtime assistant coach in the NBA previously with Mike Budenholzer in Atlanta as well. He spent time, uh, I actually know Darvin Ham a little bit from my time. I covered the Austin Toros in the G League when Darvin was with them. And that was like the first time that he started kind of working with the Spurs and their system and, you know, started to basically be a player coach then. And, and Ham and I used to, uh, he used to very much give me grief over my basketball takes at the time. But it's a veteran experienced hire. Uh, Ham has been widely praised by players and other coaches. He's been, a, a candidate for other jobs. What was your reaction when Ham got the prestigious Lakers job? <laughs> prestigious. Oh, oh, that's one way of putting it. Uh, no, I think it was a great move. Honestly, uh, it seems like they had a clear intent on wanting to bring somebody who could not only bring accountability, but could establish a connection an experienced voice that Frank Vogel just didn't have. You talk about, some of the assistants that LeBron James has always gravitated to, a lot of them being former players and things of that sort. And there's just something, even Ty Lue, a former player himself who was a head coach for LeBron when he was in Cleveland, had that kind of respect. And, and it's just there are certain players who believe that the only way that you can be coached or understand what it takes in order to coach me as a player is to have had that kind of experience of being a player yourself. I know that even Eric Spolstra in Miami has been criticized at times for you know, some players have not necessarily gravitated towards his style because he doesn't understand what it takes to be an NBA player. Ham has that accountability, that experience. He knows how to connect with these guys. And so I think it's a really, really good move. Uh, that doesn't change the roster necessarily, but at the same time, at least you have a clear voice, a locker room presence there that I think can get everybody on the same page. And, and that certainly bodes well for the Lakers. 
Yeah, LeBron tweeting yesterday his support for the hire. He's very excited about the hire, so it's good to immediately have LeBron in your corner. If you're one of his guys, well, one, I think that was probably going to be a requisite for anybody that was hired now as they try and repair that relationship, which has been strained between ownership uh, and clutch. So hiring him, I think, is a step in that direction that gets everybody on the same page. Having a former player, you know, look, I think there's a lot of... I'll say this. One of the reasons I think Ham is a, is a great pick here is he's a former player, but he's not coming in fresh, right? They didn't hire right. just like a, a former player that wasn't coaching. They bring in someone that's done the rounds and Ham's a longtime assistant. And so that experience, I think, really matters because you need to have somebody that understands the coaching side of it, too, that isn't right. just going to be focused on, you know, being a player's coach. Uh, oftentimes those guys can get into trouble and I think you see the success that guys like Willie Green have had. You succeed the success. Honestly, if you look throughout NBA history, a lot of coaches that are kind of considered to be, um, you only think of them as coaches. You'll be surprised if you went back and you're like, oh, they, they played in the NBA. Uh, it's kind of surprising. Like Mike D'Antoni being an example of a guy with a, a short uh, NBA career, but a long European one. Those guys, I, th- I do think, bring something to the table when they're former players. I do, I do think that that's, an, that's a skill. I don't think it has to be. A requisite but i think for this lakers team especially with where they're at ham will one he'll understand the dynamics of a lebron team he'll just kind of get that and understand how that's going to work in terms of lebron calls the shots which you just don't want any sort of tension there because you're always going to lose that battle um there's a lot of challenges here obviously i think a big question is going to be about his ability to reconnect and get russell westbrook back on the same page as multiple reports indicate that they're basically the trade value is so bad for Russell Westbrook, it would be harmful to the franchise for them to trade him because they'd have to include assets. So they got to try and figure out how to make this work. That's not a task. I think anyone envies for him. Um, but I think Ham will also bring a, a toughness, which had really gone missing last season. Some of that's going to have to be roster, but I do think that ham because of his approach will bring a very, you know, he's a journeyman in the NBA. He wasn't a superstar. So I think that he'll be able to bring, a level of toughness and work ethic that they're going to need if they're going to want to get back on top. Has there been a coach that Russell has identified with or, or like gotten along with to such a high degree? Cause I, I mean, I, I, the only one I can think of is Scott Brooks and Brooks. he brings some, yeah, some of that same experience as far as being a journeyman, yeah. gritty, all that stuff that you want to ascribe to, you know, smallish point guards, uh, ham being a journeyman himself, I think. And again, being a former player, he can connect. He'll reach Westbrook. He'll, he'll, get him to see his side of things in a way that maybe Frank Vogel and others could not. And I think that's going to speak, you know, I think that's going to be to get him to change his game to some degree, but you know, between that and the combination of age and everything else like that, you just wonder how much more Westbrook could continue to continue uh, to continue playing at a high level and evolve at this. I just don't seem it's very likely. So uh, yeah, the connection will be made, but doesn't necessarily mean he's going to get him to, to play the right way or to be a factor. It seems like a good hire, but then honestly, Frank Vogel was a really good coach and we saw how that turned out. I think there's more going on with the Lakers than just whoever is calling the plays, but we'll see how that plays out. Let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll preview the NBA finals between the Warriors and the Celtics thoughts on that matchup. And later on, we'll talk a little bit about where the heat go from here. But first I want to tell you about prize picks. Are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA with the NBA finals right around the corner? You got to try prize picks. It's daily fantasy made easy. We love it. And we know you will too. It's easy to use. All you got to do is you just pick two to five players and over under on their projections. And you can win up to 10 times an entry and it's just you versus the projected numbers. I'm going to be looking at Al Horford points. I think he's going to be having a big series versus this Golden State 
Warriors team. I'm also going to be looking for Steph Curry assists because I think the uh, Celtics will be trying to get the ball out of his hands. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less on prize picks. It's that easy. They're safe and they offer fast withdrawals. And the app is available on both the App Store and Google Play. They've got every prop you can think of. You want to get on Marcus Smart steals? Well, they've got that for you. You want rebounds from Kevon Looney? They've got for you at, that there for you as well. And they allow mixed sport entries. You can get in on MLB. You've got soccer, MMA. And when football comes around, you got college football, the NFL, and college basketball when it comes as well. For a limited time, PrizePix has an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for all of our users. You get 50 bucks for free if a player in your first PrizePix entry scores just a single point, but you have to use code NBA. That's right. $50 for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. We'll be right back on Locked On NBA. Thanks for joining us and making us part of your day and your first listen every day. Make your second listen to Locked On NBA Big Board. Drafts right around the corner, going to be at the end of this month. Host Rafael Barlow joins Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Lee Thulin, giving fans an in-depth look at the NBA draft, mock drafts, player rankings, and, of course, the big boards. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. That's the Locked On NBA Big Board. Back here with David. David. I'm sorry to say the Boston Celtics are advancing to the NBA finals for your Miami heat, uh, but <laughs> it should be a, a really should be a great matchup. I'm excited about it. I've gotten more excited about it over the past 24 hours. Uh, at, when I started digging into it, I'm going to go ahead and just like start this, like right at the top. Do you have a pick for the series? I, I did uh, last night, uh, perhaps uh, fueled by a little emotion coming off that game seven there. I, I, I leaned heavily into the Warriors being able to steal the the series. I think, oh, well, not steal it necessarily, win it outright. And I, I think uh, I think their strength, their experience, you, you, you listen to Celtics fans long enough, and unfortunately I had to listen quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, they even pick fun at their own team and their, you know, lack of experience, the fact that they're, turnover prone that they can make costly mistakes that they blow games it's never about the other team it's always about the fact that Celtics you know can screw the pooch on numerous occasions over the course of a seven game series and so given that and you look at what Golden State and the level that they're playing at their experience on this highest of stages the brightest of lights etc and the general inexperience of that roster on the Boston side of things and that's why I kind of lean more towards Golden State but in thinking more about the series today um, I, I think it may, but it might be a lot closer than I had previously expected. I, I think this is a series where the strengths of Boston's defense and, and Boston's general strengths in general are being somewhat overstated just because well, I saw a limping heat team kind of, again, be able to still take them to seven games. Yeah. But I think Golden State's weaknesses are so great that they can be exploited by this team. And so that's why I think it'll be a lot closer than I previously expected. Yeah, I've gone back and forth on it. If you ask me, like, you know, what what is your your truest thing you can say about it? I'm like, it, it could go either way. Um, that's not a cop yeah. out. I just think that this is a very yeah. evenly balanced series. Like, here's a here's a a good example of it. Uh, do I think that the Celtics are going to 
go fewer games with the Warriors than they did versus the Bucks without Chris Middleton and this banged up version of the Heat. Like that doesn't seem right. Uh, however, however, uh, look, based off of the matchups and everything else, I'm taking Celtics and six. And mm. the reason for that is I don't think that there is a team better suited to slow down what Golden State does offensively, which is such a big part of the challenge. Most teams just do not have either the personnel or the basketball IQ defensively to be able to counter what Golden State does. You have to be able to switch and not have to have your big on the floor. The Celtics don't have to have Robert Williams on the floor. Al Horford can find ways in order to stay on the perimeter. There'll be some issues, I think, there, but uh, he's such a plus. I think that helps. They're comfortable playing smaller with Jason Tatum at the four. Uh, I don't have as much faith in Golden State's offense as I do, or in Boston's offense as I do in Golden State's offense, but I have more faith in Boston's defense than I do in Golden State's defense. You kind of mentioned the mistake-prone nature of both of these teams. This is like a the over-under for both teams is one and a half games that they're just going to blow by being dumb. Like, they will just have games where you're just like, yeah. what are you guys doing? Like, what are you doing? Which is not to say, like, I agree with you in terms of the way that the series was discussed between the Heat. It was entirely, like, the Heat had the number one turnover rate in the playoffs before they faced Boston. And then Boston turns the ball over. And everyone's like, man, if Boston would just stop turning the ball over. And I'm like, the, the Heat are taking the ball. Like, they're they're literally taking the ball away from them. Um, and Golden State will do that to a degree, but Boston will do that probably to Golden State more because Golden State is an extremely turnover-prone team. That's Absolutely. always kind of been their weakness. Golden State's offense at time, like they have the best offense in the NBA playoffs right now at a 116 offensive rating, but they haven't faced a defense like Boston. Dallas switches but isn't as comfortable in off-ball switches and doesn't have the kind of rim protection if they need it. Memphis has a lot of that, and they've really pushed them and had an opportunity to win that series. Uh, but Memphis was inexperienced and very young. Uh, and then obviously Denver was like a non-entity. They were just non-existent defensively. So, so I'm, I'm curious, like it, given Golden State's strength as a ball movement team, et cetera, their ability to swing the ball from end to end and, and find those weak spots in your defense. And, and I know that Boston doesn't have any necessary weak spot in their defense, but still it's this constant over rotation and things of that sort. They're going to find an open look at some point. Does that skew more heavily in Golden State's favor? Because I, I tend to think that Miami had a lot of open looks that they just couldn't capitalize, despite yeah. being the number one shooting team during the regular season. Golden State's a different animal. They're going to get the three-point shot from Thompson, Curry, and maybe even Andrew Wiggins to some extent. Maybe even uh, uh, Manya Bielica as a front scorer, front court scorer. Like somebody's going to be able to knock down that shot once they find those open spots in Boston's defense. And that's why I kind of think that despite Boston's strengths defensively, Golden State's offense is still good enough to overcome that. So this is where I kind of go to the data and the the expected shot quality uh, via second yeah. spectrum, which is different than the shot quality account on Twitter. Um, look, there's problems with it. It's not a gospel, right? You can watch a shot from a shooter that you you know is a quality shooter and be like, he should hit that. Like, he should have nailed that. Trust me, as somebody that has uh, bet the Milwaukee Bucks multiple times, I understand that feeling. But when I looked at actual the data, Boston doesn't allow – they allow, I think, the second fewest uncontested looks per 100 possessions of any team in the NBA playoffs. And I, the other team is one of the ones that was eliminated. Uh, and – Opponents are shooting 33% on lightly contested looks, which seems low. It's within range of 
the expected field goal percentage. So basically what I'm trying to tell you is I think there's things in here like Max Struess is a quality shooter, 41% from three in the regular season. We have to account for the fact that in the playoffs, these looks do get a little bit harder. A, a shot that's lightly contested is because the guy is further away, but he's closing out like a madman and the intensity and the time and all these types of things. Now, look, I don't think that this means that Golden State's going to get rolled. Right. The Warriors are incredible. They could e- Again, they can easily win this series. But especially when you talk about the ability to take away stuff, I don't know that there's a better team for it with how Marcus Smart defends. Uh, I pulled this stat since 2017-18. That's in the Tatum era, right? So in the Tatum era, uh, Steph is 9 of 27 from the field with Marcus Smart contesting at 44% effective field goal percentage. The DPOY, even though I think Bam should have won this year, um, does do the work on Curry. And if you take that away, Clay's not quite the guy he used to be. Right. Poole is younger and more inconsistent. I think Wiggins can have a big series. That's a definite possibility. But I just think the path to winning gets a lot harder if Steph's not able to have the impact. Because I don't think that the Celtics have to panic bull rush Steph the way that other teams do. He's going to get his. He still averages, I think, 22 per game versus the Celtics over the last couple of years. And he'll have a game where I think he's going to be fantastic. But the Celtics, more than maybe any other team in the league, do have the capability of slowing him down. And that's such a big edge when it's talking about this Clay Thompson versus 2016 Clay Thompson. That differential, I think, is huge. Um, Again, I worry about Boston's offense versus Golden State's very good defense. Um, You talked about the mistakes, right? The Warriors are going to make you make a mistake. It's true. It's true. And Golden State's defense is underrated for how good they are, which is why I think the Warriors are definitely live in this series, but they're also favored. So for me, I I wind up, I look at it and I just wind up thinking that I think Boston and Boston, here's a good example of it. Sometimes it is a narrative thing. Boston's gotten things to go their way. Al Horford's hit huge shots. Marcus Smart's hit huge shots. Grant Williams has hit huge shots and guys have just consistently missed. They've gotten the breaks that they've needed to get them to this point. And banking on that is a little bit of a stretch, but I do think that there's something going on with this Boston team. I've labeled this series dynasty versus destiny yeah. where it's the golden state warriors dynasty versus what feels like a team of destiny where since January 29th, the Celtics have been the best team in the league. So that's where I come out on Boston as the favorite. Uh, who do you think wins finals MVP? If you'd like the warriors to win. Oh, well, I think that's probably Steph Curry, right? That's a big question mark. The, the final piece of the hardware that he needs in order to add to his legacy, it, it just kind of makes sense. But, uh, I, I mean, do you have another pick other than Curry? Because I think it seems somewhat logical that it would probably be him. If it's the Warriors, I actually like Clay Thompson quite a bit. I think Clay really? can score off the dribble enough to have, like, even if Clay has a really bad game, because that's what happens yeah. with injuries is it robs you of the consistency. So I think Clay can have a game where he scores 40 in game three in a road win and then has a monster game five and then closes it out with like 26 and hits six threes in game six or whatever. Um, yeah. And I can see that happening. I don't like the Steph pick for a number of reasons. Every piece of data yeah. and film that I've looked at, and I've watched tons of possessions this morning as we record this on Monday. Um, and the, the Celtics are just really good at, at sticking with Steph. I just think it's going to be a hard series for him. He's going to score. He's Steph Curry. He's the best shooter in the history of everything. But I I do think the Warriors are going to say, no matter what, 
if we lose, it's not going to be because of Steph Curry. Yeah. And their defense is good enough for me to trust in that. So yeah. uh, on the other side, though, I actually kind of like Al Horford. Uh, I think Tatum's an obvious one, right? Tatum's a very that's a that's a very easy pick. Just boy, I think if the Celtics win, Jason Tatum's going to have a big series. Well, thanks, um, but I think Al Horford actually has a chance here. If you remember, he had thirty in one of those games versus the Bucks. If he has another big performance in a key game, and he's a rock defensively, and he counters Draymond, and he hits some big threes, and he has the rebounds. You know, the numbers don't necessarily reflect that it could be there, but if Tatum has a poor shooting series and it's more of a defensive battle, that might yeah. open up the door, I think, for Al Horford, especially making his first finals after such a long career. Everyone respects him so much. He's been so pivotal to their playoff run. Uh, I can see the voters getting sentimental and giving Horford a vote. I'm leaning smart, uh, actually. I, I think uh, his defensive tenacity, I saw him hit, hit, big, uh, hit, hit big shots against the Heat. Uh, I think he's going to be able to find weaknesses in Golden State's defense. He's going to be able to exploit Curry to some degree, and he just seems to find a way to rise the occasion. Now, I know a lot of Southwick's fans are concerned about him shooting them out of games just as much as he shoots them into them, but at the same time, I mean, that's just what you have to live and die with when it comes to having smart as your point guard. So I, I'm kind of leaning towards that, but I like the Horford pick. Don't, don't hate that at all. It should be a great series between the Celtics and the Warriors. Um, let's take a break. We'll come back, and I will force David to deal with the <laughs> – uh, awfulness that the Heat are entering their offseason. We'll talk about where the Heat go from here when we come back on Locked On NBA. But first, I want to talk about Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So why endure these pointless conversations in one of those stores and when they're just going to tell you, hey, my part, there's the other store's got the part. You want to drive 20 minutes over there? I don't want to do that. That's why I came here. Don't mess with that. Just go to rockauto.com. It's at home or in your pocket. You're going to save time and money with Rock Auto. They're a family-owned business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and they've got everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution for your auto parts needs and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. We'll be right back on Locked On NBA. Lock on NBA. Thanks for joining us and making us part of your week. Hope everyone had a great Memorial Day weekend and enjoyed cookouts. Uh, I, David, I, I, um, I bought this new book called um, The Joy of Cooking by the guy that does Serious Eats, and it's got okay. like the science of it all. I've just dramatically changed everything about the way I cooked. I finally have chicken that was actually like moist and tender. I salted my steaks uh, three hours before I cooked them. The difference was incredible. Uh, I cannot recommend going into the science of cooking enough. That's my yeah. Memorial Day tidbit for you is salt your steaks more than 40 minutes in advance. That's my advice for you. Sounds good. I'm a vegetarian, so I won't be salting any steaks. Unfortunately. My wife's vegetarian. So I, 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 I'm also learning about how to cook great vegetables. Um, awesome. Vegetarian, vegetarian living is better. I turn 40 tomorrow uh, as we oh, record this on Monday. So I'm planning on like making all these changes to my life. And a lot of it is like, I'm probably going to be leaning heavily vegetarian because it's just better for you. Uh, what's not better for the heat is heading into the off season as they are eliminated nice. in 
seven games by the Boston Celtics. David, I'm just going to go ahead and ask you this. Uh, what are they going to do about Kyle Lowry? Because I have concerns. They can't do anything about Kyle Lowry. Like, you bring him in. You know what he is at this stage of his career. He's a good friend of Jimmy Butler's family, et cetera. Uh, and yet, I mean, he's getting paid $30 million over the next couple of seasons, uh, you know, each season. I, I don't I, I think you hope for the best. We we talked about this on the show last night, too. Like, are we going to be able to are they he going to be able to force him into their, you know, uh, vaunted as, you know, conditioning program and things of that sort? And I, I just don't think Kyle's going to buy into it at this stage in his career because this is who he's always been. It's not like he's necessarily out of shape, but maybe he's not in heat shape, uh, you know, as cliche as that might be. And yet I, I think he's still a good player. But you, you're not going to be able to count on him at this point. And so you're just going to have to live with it. Uh, you know, a lot of people are also looking at last night's result. And again, we're recording this on a Monday and not a lot of time to break it all down. But they're kind of looking at this as a comparison to the 2004-2005 season right after they had traded for mm. Shaquille O'Neal. And that first season, they fell just short of knocking off the Detroit Pistons. Of course, the Pistons went on to face uh, the Spurs in the finals. And then Miami pulls the trigger on, at that point, the largest trade in NBA history. They bring in Jason Williams, they bring in Antoine Walker, James Posey, etc. And then behind Dwayne Wade's greatness, they're able to carry that team to an NBA Finals and Miami's first championship. I, I don't know that they're going to be able to blow up this roster to the same degree. Like, you don't have those kind of assets on the roster. You don't have the kind of picks uh, that make it a luxury to throw in a player that maybe you don't necessarily want on your roster. I mean, no one's going to be sending you a superstar just to take on Duncan Robinson's $90 million contract or, or Kyle Lowry at age 30, whatever. There's too many question marks about this roster. Lowry is certainly one of them. And I don't know that there's a solution for it because I think you just kind of hope that he can continue to contribute to the same degree. And, and look, I know he was problematic in the playoffs, but he was really good during the regular season, during the games in which he was available. He kept his you know, heat offense run, uh, humming along. He, he pushed the, the pace significantly, uh, you know, his solid defense, et cetera. And, you know, it's just somebody that Jimmy loves having in that locker room. So I think he's here to stay and for better or for worse. Yeah. Uh, I will admit a lot of my faith in this team and I had quite a bit of it. I didn't necessarily think that they were like absolutely going to win the East, but I, I liked their chances was built right. upon the kind of the, the idea that Lowry was not so far removed from who he was two seasons ago. And this has been, I think a pretty steep drop off. I got some pushback from heat fans last night that said that in December, he and and Tyler were the ones that really carried the team when Jimmy and bam, or it was him and bam were the ones that carried Mm -hmm. the team after bam came back. Um, I saw like a lot of this is, is complicated because Kyle had some personal issues this season that he missed a lot of time for. And I'm, I'm sympathetic to, to those concerns and those have to be like, that's outside of the context of this discussion, right? Right. When I watched him, however, this season, I just, he didn't seem like the same kind of impact player that he was even last year in Toronto in the Tampa season. Like, right. I, I am a little concerned that Kyle Lowry may be closer to an NBA expiration point as a starter than the Heat thought when they signed him to the contract. Absolutely. Um. All right, so you know, you kind of mentioned like they got to just kind of reconfigure, right? You just try and, and re now Duncan, I think, probably has more value. Just there's gonna be somebody that's gonna be like, we need a shooter, and they'll especially there's probably gonna be a desperate GM that will be like, hey, this guy was really good. Um, I will also say Miami's had some success in the past of taking on 
some reclamation projects, right? And seeing yep. if it's a guy that will only, I mean, Jimmy to a certain degree is a guy that didn't have a great reputation and obviously had the incident back in March or whenever. And everyone was like, Oh, see, and then they make the finals. Uh, and so guys have had success there. So maybe this is an opportunity for them to take a chance on somebody. But I guess my question for me would, for you would be, do you think it's better for them to take a big chance or was this team just basically look, if they're a little bit healthier, they win this series and they're in the finals and they have a shot at a title. Or do you think that there is a gap here between where they're at and where they need to get to? Um, my nature tends to gravitate towards the safer side of things. Uh, I, I think, you know, play it conservatively. Like you even heard Eric Spolster talking about Boston and their team building approach and saying how much he admires the fact that they kept their core together and things of that sort. But they still had to make moves along the way in order to continue to add you know, Derek White having big moments, et cetera. They, they don't, you know, they don't do that without trading away Josh Richardson midway through the season. Uh, so to, to talk about Miami, I, I think that, yes, if they had been healthy, they probably could have knocked off the Celtics. I think that it would have been just enough. Uh, and, and maybe they can count on that for next season too, but they're all going to be a year older. Who knows what happens to Lowry? Who knows what happens to P.J. Tucker? Uh, he has a player option. He could opt out if he wants more money elsewhere or maybe just to retire. Uh, he was basically a non-factor in the second half due to injury. Uh, I think Miami and Pat Riley will always look for the big swing. Like I, I just, despite my own feeling that they should just keep it back and run it back one more time. That's not Riley's MO. It never has been and it never will be. So it doesn't really matter what I think they should do. I know Pat Riley is going to see an opportunity to acquire a big name or a big time player or a reclamation project, uh, project as you put it. And he's going to make that trade one way or the other. He's going to find a way to do it because that's just who he is. And he's always looking to push the envelope. Uh, I, I, he'll, he'll figure it out somewhere, just as he always has. And I'm not sure what that opportunity is. I'm not sure what that name can be. I know a lot of people are looking at Dame Lillard and you know Donovan Mitchell, et cetera, Bradley Beal even. I, I don't know. I mean, even today I saw theoretical trades for Beal that I don't think necessarily make this team better because I'm not sure how much – it's not a knock on Bradley Beal. I just – if you're going to be throwing Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, 85 million draft picks, et cetera, you know, three or four role players just to acquire Bradley Beal, does that make Miami better or worse? And I'm not sure what – I'm not sure. I'm not sure what version of Beal we'll get in Miami and how he continues to complement Jimmy Butler and an older Kyle Lowry, who I think is still going to be on this roster next season. So there's a, if there's a move to be made, Riley will make it. Uh, I'm just not sure if it's necessarily the right one just yet. You know, we mentioned Reclamation Project. You, you know who needs to, to be reclaimed – Who's that? Who's that, Matt? Who's that? Well, the Los Angeles Lakers have a slightly used Russell Westbrook. If you are interested in adding a dynamic on-ball creator next to Jimmy Butler, with that same kind of no alternative mental toughness approach, that could no, no, no takers there. I, I don't see it happen. I don't see it happening. I, I don't probably think. Uh, uh, I think. I, I thought he could probably meet the body fat requirements pretty easily. I still don't think they're going to take on that. I, I uh, think. That I think even if Riley was like, you know, who we should get? I think Andy Ellisberg <laughs> and Adam Simon would be like, please, please, Pat, please, right, please. It's it's time for you to move on to Malibu. Go ahead and retire yeah, yeah, yeah. now. Um, yeah. So they're pretty locked in cap wise. Am I right on that? 
Yeah. Um, yeah. They've got some concerns. Tyler's extension coming up. Duncan, obviously. Victor Lodipo is a free agent. Uh, Struess and Gabe Vincent uh, both have team options, so I think they'll probably exercise those. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I think they're going to probably run it back. I, I don't I don't see yeah. the alternative for a significant improvement over this roster. And again, I mean, to what we were just talking about, if you can get Lowry in slightly better shape, but he's a little bit more consistent in the playoffs. And it can happen. I think it can happen. I just don't know if you can continue to count on Jimmy to have these superhuman performances. Like we saw what he did in the 2020 bubble where he was fantastic, carrying that team through the finals. And then he kind of laid an egg against the Milwaukee Bucks last year. Now he has he goes back to superhuman again. And yet next season, can he do it again? Uh, I, I'm not so sure. And I don't know that you want to necessarily count on that as being the only chance you have to go deeper and deeper into the playoffs. Somebody else needs to step up and I don't think it's going to be Lowry. I don't think it's going to be Oladipo if you can somehow find a way to resign him. Can Tyler Hero reach that point? Maybe. Can Bam do it consistently? That's a bigger question mark, too. But, I mean, it's going to have to come from internal development, which, you know, the Heat take pride in being able to accomplish. But at the same time, there are questions about this team. and uh, They might just be another also-ran next season as well. We'll see how it shakes out, and we'll talk about it here on Locked On NBA. Make sure you keep it tuned all throughout the week on Locked On NBA. Uh, especially tomorrow, you're going to want to hear Jake Masson and John Corrales. I'm sure that John from Locked On Celtics is going to be. Nobody wants to hear that guy. <laughs> uh, check it out all throughout the week. We'll have you covered getting ready for the NBA Finals Game 1 on Thursday. Thanks so much for joining us. Make sure to check out the show on YouTube. Rate, review, subscribe. He's David Ramil. You can find him on Twitter at DRamil13. Make sure to check out Locked On Heat as well. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys again next time on Locked On NBA.